Extra, extra read all about it. We got some Oregon football news. That's my fun 1950s joke of the day. And a question about Justin Flo. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thanks for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. Like, comment, subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching this show. I appreciate everybody out there who has done so already. Here at the Locked On College Network, we are going back in season as of August 1st, which means we will be bringing you content on whatever show you listen to, whether it's this one or another one. I also host Locked On Pac-12. For any of you who listen over there, we'll be back to every day during the week, five days a week, and at least 19, but uh, generally 20 or more per month. So uh, I hope you enjoyed my uh, my little intro there with uh, with the 1950s paperboy route. I look like I could still have a paper route, frankly, so I felt like it was appropriate. Uh, but there's just been a, a flurry of a little piece of news here, a little news story there, a little headline there, and uh, I thought it'd be good to uh, keep you up to date on that ahead of the Pac-12 Media Day this Friday, July 29th. This is Wednesday's episode, July 27th. Uh, so first of all, a couple of uh, just small roster moves that are uh, worthy of note. One of them not quite as small as uh, the other ones. Uh, Tom Snee, the punter who was uh, simply sensational a season ago in that win at Ohio State. He's away from the team for mental health reasons. Certainly wishing him nothing but the best. A while back, Adam Barry is a name you might have seen on Twitter here or there. He's a punter who comes over to the Ducks by way of Temple. I, I suspect that he came in because the coaches had uh, an inclination that uh, Tom w- was ultimately going to step away from the team. He has done that now. Uh, former Ole Miss defensive back C.J. Beckham is on the Ducks as well. I don't expect to see a, a ton from him, if uh, anything at all. I mean... He didn't play hardly at all while he was uh, a rebel down there at Mississippi. He's a third-year freshman, which is a hilarious phrase. Um, He he was uh, not a highly touted recruit or anything. I don't think he even had a star rating on 24-7 when I looked him up. 5'8", 159 pounds, so he's not a a big guy in there. But his dad, Jaworski Beckham, is Oregon's speed and uh, performance director. So that's kind of the tie-in right there that uh, that leads him come to the Ducks. And uh, you never know. Sometimes guys like that pop and play a a big snap here or there. But with the other names in uh, Oregon's secondary room heading into 2022, I, I don't expect to see him, but uh, I thought it was just worth uh, pointing out since he is in that position group. Now, the more noteworthy roster move here, and, and it's less uh, a move because that sounds more like a general manager is uh, controlling things, which, of course, we know he is not because there is no he in uh, that particular hypothetical. Adrian Jackson is leaving the program, a guy who has played pretty consistently over uh, the last several years. He's had had some injuries and has bounced around uh, in terms of being on the field and off the field a little bit, but he's entering his fifth year. He's leaving the program. It's not clear whether or not he's going to uh, just call it uh, retirement for his football career or transfer to another school. 
that's an interesting position and one I'm going to get to later here in the show because someone asked a question about Justin Flo, who I have uh, some high hopes for there. But I, I think that a guy like Jackson is, is someone who, you know, leaves and creates a, a little bit of void, not a massive void. You know, I don't uh, see that headline and think to myself, boy, that's just such a big loss. And it's just that, like he, he was a nice player for sure. He, he was on the field. He made some plays every now and then. I, I think his departure leaves an opportunity for for someone to to step in and fill that role and maybe show something that uh, they maybe weren't going to otherwise get in, in terms of you know a, a chance to step on in the field and, and make some impact plays maybe see his uh, his playing time increase as a result and I I think that that's uh, you know it it came out of left field a, a little bit there but. On the whole, I don't think it's a it's a huge huge loss, but it certainly is the most noteworthy of all those uh, all all those little sprinkling headlines that that are that are in there. Uh, although although Tom Snee probably played more than uh, or had a bigger impact, I guess I'd say than Jackson did a season ago. But uh, both were there, and both are going to be uh, off the team this year. Uh, I was going through Oregon's roster a little bit earlier today as I record this because I, I wanted to see, you know, who uh, was there. And all the freshmen have gotten their headshots and whatnot. I don't know if every school does this, by the way, but I love that Oregon's roster on Godox.com, all the guys are in suits and ties. It looks very, very crisp, very clean. Guys are in there looking very fresh and, and professional. You know, I, I like the vibe that... Uh, that that gives off. Um, also, I, uh, I'm sure many of you know, live in the southern part of the state of Utah. And uh, right now, it is an absolute torrential downpour out there. And I feel like I'm back home in Oregon. Um, <laughs> so uh, the, the biggest piece of news on the recruiting front for the Ducks is Micah Banuelos. And he chose USC over Oregon. And I actually thought at one point in time, he had a four-star composite rating. It was actually a three, but you know, still, this is a position that that Dan Lanning and the offensive staff, Adrian Clem, specifically the offensive line coach, I, I think need to be able to hit hard at some point. I, I think that from a roster standpoint, looking ahead to 2023, the defensive line is a bigger need than the offensive line. But you're just probably going to lose so many guys this year. I believe the only guy who could come back would be Steven Jones amongst the projected starters on the offensive line, but he could have NFL aspirations. He's certainly big enough to be able to to get to that level. So not going to count on, on him coming back. You could be looking at five new offensive linemen in, in 2023, depending on how much Josh Connerly is able to play. But uh, as speaking of Connerly, you know, this is a, a situation where would you rather have gotten Ben Wellis than not? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's not as if any guy is ever offered a scholarship or in, in the recruiting sites of a, a staff for no reason, right? They, they see something there, think he can help the roster, you want to have him, and, and instead he goes down to USC. But between Micah Banuelos and Josh Connerly, I would definitely rather have Josh Connerly at uh, at this point in time. And uh, the Ducks, I think at one time, were, were trending well for, for Banuelos. I think they actually had a, a few crystal balls there, which just goes to show you it's something to pay attention to because they're often right, but they're not always right. But Connerly had crystal balls to USC as well. He ends up coming up to Oregon. So we get the better of the two, but I would have rather ha- had both, of course, just because... 
you're going to need a number of guys, especially with the departures of uh, Jalen Jeffers and, um, oh my gosh, I'm just blanking on his name right now. There's another offensive lineman in there. Davies? No, Davies was the corner. Um, there, there's some, there was another offensive lineman in there who left in addition to uh, Jalen Jeffers. And so I think that from a, a recruiting standpoint, you're just going to need to have some uh, some bodies there on the offensive line uh, at some point. And uh, I, I want to touch on that a little more in uh, just a moment after I remind you, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, go Mariners, NFL, Go Seahawks. NBA. Go Blazers. Just in case you're wondering who all my teams are. NHL. I don't have an NHL team. Uh, combat sports, esports, and even my personal favorite golf. Big Jordan Spieth guy here. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. So the offensive line, when you when you go on 24-7 and look at uh, the recruiting profile right now of an offensive lineman and the schools that are interested in, and what you see from Oregon is uh, the number of offensive tackles or linemen that, that they have on the roster. And Oregon actually has more than than some of the other schools who are going after, you know, uh, other offensive linemen recruits like Miles McVay or, or Samson Okunlola. And or like uh, Olaus Allenen, who ended up committing to Alabama, unfortunately. But a lot of those bodies, when when you go through and look at them at, on on GoDucks.com, a lot of them are walk-ons or were not. You know, they were zero-star recruits. And look, a guy like that can get some playing time, and it's it it's a nice fun story every now and then. But very 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 rarely do guys who are not three or four-star prospects end up panning out as uh, you know, multi-year starters on in, in, in any position group, frankly. I don't think that it's uh, specific to the offensive line. I think some other names to, to look out for in the years to come on, on the O-line, if, uh, I mean, you could always try and hit the transfer portal if you're Dan Lanning and Adrian Clem, if, if you feel that you need to bring in some uh, experience or, you know, just a, a better quality of player there on uh, up front on offense. But uh, Bram Walden is, is certainly a name. I could see Dawson Jaramillo. He definitely, I think, will come back. I, I don't see him as a guy who at this point would, uh, you know, forego his final year of eligibility and uh, try to make it in the NFL. He might one day, but he's a guy who's played multiple spots on the offensive line. So he might be somebody who has to step up. Of course, you've got Connerly. Uh, but Walden, I think, was the highest raid recruit uh, of the guys who who are there there there's some other names that you can watch for too but uh that's kind of where where the offensive line is at and uh, of the guys who are remaining those two names i i mentioned just a moment ago miles mcveigh and and samson okunlola uh okunlola is a five-star mcveigh a four-star uh both pretty highly regarded they both have crystal balls going elsewhere and on, uh, I'll, I'll do a show probably tomorrow so I can give you guys time because that'll be the last one for the week. And then we get back in season going every day uh, here at Locked On and the College Network next week. Um, I'll, I'll have a show a show tomorrow with, with John Garcia, our recruiting insider here at, at the Locked On Network. And, and I'll ask him about, you know, McVeigh and and Okunlola as well, and, and kind of see, you know, where Oregon might be at with those guys. I, I would really love to get one of them because, like, I, I love having Connerly there. 
right? I mean, that's an important thing to to remember is there there's some depth with some bodies, but overall, it's kind of Connerly, and we don't know who else is is going to be there because after the season, you're going to lose. Uh, you could see like a Feope Laulu, uh, which I'm probably not pronouncing correctly, but uh, he could be a name that, that that slides up the depth chart for for next season. But you'd like to keep bringing in young, talented guys on, on the offensive line. And I, I don't expect them to be as good as they were when, when Cristobal and Mirabal were, were running the show for for that group because they were really, really good at developing good offensive lines. But it, it's something that Georgia was able to do, at least sufficiently enough to win a national championship with Stetson Bennett as their quarterback. And, uh, you know, Adrian Clem and, and Kenny Dillingham and Dan Lanning, those are kind of your primary offensive linemen recruiters in there i think have got to be able to bring in the sorts of bodies that 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 can help oregon win games in in a significant way again i don't expect it to become the identity of the team i I don't expect it as it was for the last four years where like that's the reason you win games but it should still be a unit that that is a plus on the whole rather than just kind of being average compared to the rest of the roster um but right now i know Connerly will be there for for the next couple years he might even play some this year if if he's if he's really really good though he might need to put on a little bit of weight because he's playing basketball so I think he hasn't maximized that that element of his physical makeup at this point in time. Uh, but you know I know that he's going to be there, but every other position it's kind of wide open and I, I think that'll be a really really interesting to group to to monitor here going forward. Uh, I mentioned earlier as well, Olaus Allenen, he committed to Alabama. He's a guy who's uh, coming over originally from Finland. Um, would have been a nice get, but he's, he's going to go down to the, the Crimson Tide. So the, the number of, you know, high profile recruiting bodies that are available in the class of 2023 uh, up front are, are, are dwindling in that sense. Maybe some more guys will emerge, you know, I mean, it happens all the time. We just saw it with, uh, with Jerry on Dickey, where you can, you know, originally be rated as, uh, you, you know, this, this many stars is recruit, but then you start to trend up or you, you know, pop your senior year of high school, that sort of stuff does happen. But, um, de- definitely something that, that, uh, is worth following for, for the next couple of years here, uh, on, on the recruiting front, the trenches on both sides of the ball. I've talked about how important I think the defensive line recruiting needs to be for, for Oregon. And, uh, we're still waiting on, on names like David Hicks, Mateo Uyengale, uh, Samuel and Pemba. Uh, Terrence Green is committing on Monday. Hopefully Oregon's in a, a good position with him, four-star out of the state of Texas. But uh, a lot of options there, and hopefully the Ducks can start to uh, get some wins. Uh, also, I'll, I'll touch on this uh, next week a little bit more, but uh, the, the Pac-12 media members voted on their preseason all-conference teams in uh, our beloved Conference of Champions, which will you know, maybe exist for more than two years. But if it is, well, we'll enjoy it while it's here. Uh, first team performers for the Ducks, they've got four, four on the second team, excuse me, and then five on the uh, honorable mention list as well. Uh, first teamers, Noah Sewell, TJ Bass, Alex Forsyth, and Brandon Dorless. Second team, Byron Cardwell, Justin Flo, going to talk about him here uh, coming up. Camden Lewis, Christian Gonzalez, and an honorable mention, uh, you've got Seven McGee on there as a return specialist, which is some pretty impressive hype, I, I think, because he didn't play a lot last year. I mean, he was explosive in, in the time that he did show when he got onto the field, but um, I, I was a little surprised to see his name on there. Uh, Jamal Hill and Bennett Williams, both of whom are likely playing there last year 
uh, last year's in Eugene, respectively, and both of whom I really like a lot. Uh, Popo Amavai and Ryan Walk, all honorable mention. Uh, we're ending today with a mailbag question, and I will uh, answer it here. It, uh, it comes by way of the Twitter mentions, and that is one of the many ways you can get a question answered here on the show. I should also let you know that next week will be uh, the last week until I take a, a two-week vacation where I'll be doing shows live in a sense in that I'm typically recording them the, the night before. The following two weeks worth uh, of shows that I'll do for you here on Locked on Ducks will will be shows that I'm recording ahead of time because I'm going to be out of town, not uh, consistently having access to internet, and also I'll be with family and friends. So rather than you know having to do some work, I, I'm kind of front-loading the work and uh, doing it ahead of time. We'll be doing some game and uh, maybe some position group previews as well. But I, I bring that up right now to say, if you want a question answered here on the show, you tweet with the hashtag AskLODPod, or you can DM me at Smalls underscore 55 or at LockedOnDucks. You can also hop in the YouTube comments, get a question answered here on the show. But after next week, the only way you'd be able to, to get a question answered, if you have one, which I, of course, love doing, I love interacting with uh, all of you out there, and about 99.99% of you are very nice and polite when you ask a question. Uh, and, you know, there's always the, the 0.01% that, um, that, I, that I try not to think about anyway. But you know what? That, that, that's okay. Uh, so if you want a question that, that gets fully explained rather than just me responding, because like, while I'm on vacation, I will answer your question via direct message. I uh, might not check the YouTube comments quite as, as often because it'll be a little bit of a detachment and break vacation for me there uh, all throughout the Pacific Northwest. Um, but that's, uh, that's I'll, I'll still check my DMs, right? Just slide them in the DMs, ask me a question. I'll send you, I'll send you a message back, but I won't do it here on the show. So that means the time is now for a question to be answered live here on the show next week. And here's today's question. Frosty Dog Gaming wants to know a regular questionnaire or question asker on the show. Do you think that Dan Lanning and his strengthening and conditioning staff, I think that's just strength and conditioning, can keep Justin Flo healthy and possibly, he wrote possibility, but I think that means possibly, Justin Flo could have his breakout season or will he or will he get injured again this season? I never want to see anyone injured though. Well, no, I, I didn't think that uh, that you would. No one ever wants to see anybody injured. Um, this is an interesting, interesting question. I don't think it has to do with the strength and conditioning staff. I think when you, when you look at guys who tend to be injury prone, if, if they're recur, if it's a recurring theme in your organization at the collegiate or professional level, that guys are getting hurt, their rehabs take longer than they should. And it's just, you know, a little bit strange compared to other, other programs then you can ask questions about that. But I think with a guy like Justin Flo, he just happens to be, unfortunately, somebody who's injury prone because he is such an explosive and dynamic player. I mean, preseason, all second team Pac-12, and I think he'd be first team if he'd been healthy the last couple of years. He and Noah Sewell are arguably the best linebacker duo in the country. I haven't studied every team, but those two are both first-round caliber talents. But Justin Flo hasn't put together a full season yet, right? Noah Sewell has, and he will probably be a first-round pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. And Justin Flo has that sort of potential. And uh, to go back to your question here, Frosty Dog Gaming, I, I certainly hope that he will. And it, it's certainly in, in his best interest to do so because 
I, I think the NFL scouts are wary of guys who, who, who have injury histories. That that's part of their research and part of their prep is you know understanding like is this guy actually going to be able to stay on the field? And Flo, when he's been on the field, though, though we've really just seen a couple of snippets from him, he's been nothing short of everything we, we, we kind of hoped he would be. But he hasn't in the sense that it, it hasn't come together for a full season. But if he does stay healthy this year, and, and I don't think it's you know on the strength and conditioning staff i don't think that the mario cristobal strength staff was uh, you know letting him down in some way i, I think it's just it, it's just unlucky sometimes guys are injury prone for whatever reason i'm not a doctor so i don't know how exactly you know this guy is but this guy is not it's just how how some guys bodies are are are, are working uh, unfortunately but if he is able to to stay healthy which is an if he he could be such a dynamic player and the sort of guy that Dan Lanning loves to have on defense. And if I were a quarterback in the pocket, I wouldn't want to see him coming at me on a blitz of any kind at any point in time, because he is just so explosive and ferocious and fast and strong. And he's instinctual as well. And the other disappointing part about, you know, him having been injured so often for the last couple of years is he hasn't had the chance to develop so right now, you know, if he'd been healthy the last two years and going into his third season in Eugene, he would be a more refined, experienced, and polished linebacker the way that Noah Sewell is. But Flo right now still still feels very raw, right? I, I mean, we know what the ceiling is. We know what the potential is. But he's also more likely than, than Sewell at this point in time to make a couple mistakes out there because he just hasn't been on the field as much. And that's something that you can only really work on with on-field experience, and I, I really, really hope that that he's healthy. And it is just such a shame that we really didn't get any, except for a few snaps of Kayvon Thibodeau, Noah Sewell, and, and Justin Flo on the field at, at the same time. Those are three of the ten highest-rated recruits in Oregon football history. I, I mean, Flo was rated a little bit higher than than Noah Sewell was. All three of those guys were five stars, but I mean, Flo is uh, just a really, really high motor, high ceiling sort of football player. And I, I'm really hoping that, that he's healthy and he's finally able to to put it together. And, you know, guys who have had injuries in the past in any sport have had seasons where they finally stay healthy and you see their, their full potential there. And the good thing, at least from uh, my understanding of the injuries that he's had, they're not the sort of, uh, of of injuries that are going to, you know, hold him back on the field. Does that make sense? I know you can't answer me when I ask. Does that make sense? But uh, like, they're not the sort of injuries where he has to go out there and and worry about it or play differently. Like he can just go out there and and be just and flow. And I think that that's somebody who, with a with a sharp mind defensively, like Dan Lanning and Tosh Lupoy there as well, but especially Lanning, I think he's going to look at those two linebackers, Sewell and Flo, and do everything that he can this season to keep them on the field because they are both absolute playmakers, and I think they're going to be part of the anchors of this defense. And I just, I really want to see them in action because they can be such a dynamic duo and. You know, I, I don't know if we can look back once uh, once they probably leave after the season to the NFL and say, oh, it's, a, you know, the best linebacking duo in Oregon history. Well, it, it, it could have been, 
But from a production standpoint, it hasn't been there because of the injuries to Justin Flo. But Noah Sewell, if you're doing an all-time, you know, Oregon defense, pretty pretty good case that he would be that he, that he would be there starting at, at middle linebacker because Oregon hasn't had a whole lot of linebackers that are going to go in the first round of the NFL draft. Noah Sewell certainly will. Justin Flo is capable of doing that. I hope we get to see a lot of them in 2022. The season is just five and a half weeks away. I can not wait. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.